Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, heavenly dove, with all thy quickening power. Come shed abroad a Savior's love that it may kindle ours. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Why do you come to church? Each of you, whether you're tuned in online or you're sitting here this morning, you got dressed, you drove across town, each of you has voluntarily set aside time in your week, even if it's just one hour, to participate in a community of faith. You realize you could be doing a lot of other things with your morning. Your neighbors are. But something inside you brought you here. What was it? Maybe you're here for your kids. You want them to learn to be good, moral human beings who love God. Maybe you're here for friendship and community. Let's be honest, friends are hard to make these days. Maybe you're here for the incredible music. It's a hard to find a free concert every week in any other place across town. Maybe you're here because your mom told you you had to be. Maybe you're, I saw a nod back there. Maybe you're here because it's what we do on Sundays. Maybe you don't know why you're here, but you're here hoping that something will happen while you're here that will set your heart on fire. When I asked your elders at the session retreat a couple of weeks ago, there was a resounding refrain among them, these are my people. This is my chosen family. I can be loved for who I really am when I'm here. And that's a big part of it, right? That we all need a place where we can belong as the people God created us to be. Author Anne Lamont once wrote an essay entitled, Why I Make Sam Go to Church. She opens the essay describing how her six-year-old son Sam is the only boy his age in the Bay Area who goes to church. And despite all the ways that she tries to make church attractive, when Sunday morning rolls around, he never wants to go. She writes about it this way. She says, you might think noting the bitterness and the resignation that he was being made to sit through a six-hour Latin mass. Or you might wonder why I make this strapping, exuberant boy come with me most weeks, and if you were to ask, this is what I would tell you. I make him go because I can. I outweigh him by 75 pounds. But that's only part of it, she writes. The main reason is that I want to give him what I found in the world, which is to say a path and a little light to live by. Most of the people I know who have what I want, which is to say purpose, heart, balance, gratitude, joy, they're people with a deep sense of spirituality. They're people in community who pray who practice their faith, their Buddhists and Jews and Christians, people banding together to work on themselves and for human rights. They follow a brighter light than the glimmer of their own candle, and they are part of something beautiful. I saw something once from a Jewish theological seminary that said a human life is like a single letter of the alphabet, 
It can be meaningless, or it can be a part of a great meaning. And she says, my funky little church is filled with people who are working for peace and freedom, who are out on the streets and inside praying, and they are at the shelters with giant platters of food. But most of all, she says, when I was at the end of my rope, the people at St. Andrew tied a knot in it for me and helped me to hold on. The church became my home in the old meaning of home, which is that it's where when you show up, they have to let you in. And these people let me in, and they even said, you come back now. We all need a place where we can belong as our real, authentic selves and be accepted on our best days, sure, but most especially on our worst ones. And church at its best strives to be that place. We probably fail as often as we get it right because, of course, the struggle of being church is that at the end of the day, we are all a bunch of sinners in need of God's own redeeming, and sometimes our sin gets in the way of what we strive to be for one another at our best. But nevertheless, we come back every Sunday again and again. And so belonging matters. But given all that is transpiring in the world around us, all the brokenness and the pain we are witnessing, all the heartache from war abroad to conflict in our own communities, all the weariness and frustration and anger that so many in the world and so many in this room are carrying, I wonder if your reason for being here isn't a little deeper wonder if it isn't because your soul needs it. Mine does. When Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians, the world was falling apart at the seams too. Conflict was in the air that they breathed, most especially between Jew and Gentile. To the Jew, the Roman or the Greek was an idolater. To the Roman, the Jew was an atheist, refusing to acknowledge the gods and the divine authority of Caesar. And when the Jewish rebellion broke out in 66 AD, around the time that Ephesians was written, the war that followed was no polite reassertion of Roman authority. It was a bloodbath. The political and cultural and identity crises of their day threatened everyone's sense of peace and purpose and prosperity. And while the characters were different and the reasons for conflict was different, the culture of hostility was not that different than the tense and complicated times that we are living in today. And the Ephesians had a choice. Why church? Why choose to be a part of a community that sits at the center of these conflicts purely by welcoming people from all sides and stories to the table? As we dive into Ephesians this morning and we unpack this letter in the next several weeks, Paul's answer to the church's question, why church, is the same again and again. He says, in Christ, God is accomplishing God's purpose for redeeming and reconciling the world. To follow Christ is to believe that God is capable of bringing life out of death, joy out of sorrow, justice out of conflict. That's resurrection. 
To be part of the church is to believe that in Christ, forgiveness is more powerful than retribution. Mercy is more powerful than vengeance. Love is more powerful than hate. And Paul begins this letter by telling us that we are adopted into this story and given an inheritance of good gifts that make us not just capable of, but responsible for living out that reality when the world tells us that the opposite is true again and again. That's the gospel good news. Whether we acknowledge it or not, that is a wildly counter-cultural truth to stake your life on. To choose church is to believe that the gospel offers hope when the world tells us to despair. To choose church is to place yourself in a community that believes in life and love and justice and mercy when the world tells us those things are a waste of time. For the Ephesians, maybe for you, the reason to come to church is to be part of a community that strives to live into that reality. And we show up for one another so that we get glimpses of what God's reconciling work looks like that gives us hope enough to face each new day. But this sense of community bound together in Christ doesn't miraculously happen. It requires something from us. And so Paul opens his letter to the Ephesians in prayer with two overarching claims. First, that God destined us for adoption as his children in Jesus. And second, that in Christ we have obtained an, an inheritance so that we might live for the praise of his glory. In short, you belong here and you have been given gifts that God needs you to use. The reality is that the work of being a community together requires a measure of commitment from each of us. And those commitments come in things great and small. Those commitments require us to do a lot of mundane things together again and again. Not every Sunday can be kickoff Sunday with breakfast and faux Olympics and pomp and circumstance. Sometimes we just have to show up and share life week in and week out. Did you know that it takes as many as 25 people every Sunday to support Sunday school and worship? When someone in our community is struggling, we need people willing to write a card or make a meal. Our mission partners need tutors at Dobbs and drivers for Meals on Wheels and ICM, and the saints who tend the memorial garden outside will tell you that there is always a weed to pull. Many of those roles are not flashy, but the routine tasks done together build the fabric of a community that can stand up and bear witness that we are stronger when we are together. Alongside all those formalized roles are also the ways that that inheritance, that those gifts that you have are natural and you use them to support one another, saying to the world, we do not overcome, we overcome our conflicts through person-to-person -person encounters of love that Christ modeled and we try to emulate. It's the one among you who stopped at a member's house to set up a new Alzheimer-friendly TV remote. It's the group who invited a new face to lunch because you knew she was lonely. 
It's the one among you who shared your bounty of tomatoes this year. It's the several of you who never missed the chance to send a card. It's the one who helped seniors find vaccine appointments back when vaccine appointments were hard to come by. It's the many texts, texts of encouragement sent among parents as you sent your kids to school these past few weeks. Paul begins his letter to the Ephesians with the conviction that in Christ, you belong. You are part of God's team, as Amanda said. But he is clear that all of us in ways big and small and everything in between, you have an, obtained an inheritance in Christ. Unique gifts to offer this community that strengthen the ties that bind us, that make us church. And the fruits of that commitment our love and joy and hope that gives us the strength to, to press on in a world so full of despair. When I was a campus minister, my students were stressed out most of the time. They hadn't learned the art of saying no, and so in their overachieving, they often found themselves overstretched. And not wanting to disappoint me, when I would run into them on campus throughout the week, they would say, oh, I'll see you Sunday. And invariably, a number of them would text me on Sunday afternoon that their homework had piled up, and they were behind on a group project, and their sorority was going to charge them if they missed, missed another meeting. And I would text back every time, grace abounds. Grace abounds. We will love you anyway, grace abounds, so much that it became a kind of tagline for the ministry. But a couple of years in, I began adding, we will love you in the campus ministry, no matter what. And God will love you no matter what. But it's a lot easier to experience that love in a tangible way if you show up. The reality is that many of us are out of the habit of church. For many of you, it's been a long enough time that you're worried you might not recognize your fellow church members, especially behind a mask. I'm your pastor, and I struggle with that too. There are as many excuses for each of us as there were for our college students for reasons not to show up on a Sunday morning. But what was, what was true for the Ephesians is still true for us now. The pledge of our inheritance, the gifts given to us in Christ, Paul writes, we will only experience in all their fullness if we commit to journeying together. There is plenty of work for justice and peace needed in the world right now. But Ephesians invites us to begin by being church for each other, by filling up one another's cups so that we have measures of grace and mercy and compassion to pour out in a hurting world. So as we kick off our fall year, still in the midst of a pandemic, with war and conflict and strife raging in the world around us, this is your chance to ask yourself afresh, why church? Why are you here? Why did you or will you sign up to usher or prepare communion trays or chase pre-K kids around the playground? Why did you set aside an hour of your week to be a part of this community. And I hope that deep in your heart, you can hear Christ's promise echo back to you. 
You beloveds belong here just as God made you. And you have gifts God needs you to use. May it be so in Christ. Amen.